The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right now, thanks, man. How are you? Now? Oh, that's ominous. I'm very well, thanks. Um, sweating profusely because it is an absolute greenhouse in my mum's place where I am back in London, undisclosed location. But yeah, otherwise, life is good. Nice. Shall we begin by giving you some congratulations because we've uh. had... I was going to say, we've had some news. You've had some news that you've kept under wraps for a little while. I remember, uh, remember when you told me when we were in London. Yes, yes. Ago. Oh, I should probably, yeah. yeah. So I was uh, elected as a fellow of the Royal Society of Literature. Um, unbelievable. Which, uh, it's unbelievable, was, man, honestly. Like, I'm sorry. This is so huge. <laughs> it's so huge. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it's... It's wild. I don't know. It was, um, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, very, very quickly, because obviously the podcast is not about my writing. Um, when I got, when I got the news, I was, um, I was a bit overwhelmed to be honest, because there's so many sacrifices that I made to be a writer that I've made. Um, and a lot of the people who are fellows, they're like heroes of mine. Like mm. people that came before, obviously you've got like, you know, Charles Dickens, people like that, like previous generations of of writers and you know a great friend of mine was a fellow of the royal society um he was a scientist so he he was in for sciences and i always remember thinking that's one of those things that's just like legacy because it's your peers that elect you right it's it's a it's a committee of of like your favorite writers of your generation so i got there yesterday and the great elif shafak was there one of my favorite writers so you know like Elif Shafrak could well end up with the Nobel Prize one day. And she's someone who I've got to know over time, who's an amazing human. And this is the thing. These weren't just like, they're great writers and they're even better people. So just being among this, honestly, I, when I got the news, I was, I was, I was in tears, to be honest. Dude, it's, a, it's amazing. It's, Thanks, a, it's just amazing. I'm so proud of you, honestly. I'm so happy. It's just, it's so great. Oh, thanks, man. You it's an unbelievable it, feeling. Unbelievable feeling. Um, you deserve it purely for that Thomas Muller essay. 
<laughs> still, I, I gotta say, that's still one of my favorite moments. The yeah, dream vulture. The dream vulture. <laughs> and now, who's the dream vulture? <laughs> Vulturing <laughs> their way into the Royal Society of Literature. <laughs> <laughs> unreal yeah it's true real talk real unreal. talk oh, amazing man Congrats. thanks so much man thanks so much pick behind the curtain uh you've been not the best yeah well well first of all we hope everyone else is staying safe and well and yeah. the reason we haven't been back sooner was because basically i got covid and i got, I got it pretty bad yeah we were due to come back at least last week mm. we haven't been on vacation still but the reason we were off was because we, we had a couple of days here and there but we were working on yeah. some other things one of which is going to come out on the writer's house feed in a few weeks, which is why many people may have seen you in some trades, in some photos from the Arsenal account at Arsenal's preseason training last week. Wearing some increasingly garish clothing. Exactly. <laughs> um, you and yeah, Ian did exciting. a thing down there. And yeah. obviously because I literally tested positive a couple of days before we were okay. due to go. So I had Nightmare. to sit at home the whole oh. knowing that I was supposed to be there. It was horrible. But, um, What's yeah, that man. Spongebob Co- mean when they're looking out, looking out the window? The pl- oh, no. I was like the sad Kermit looking through the rain-dripped window. The amount of times you came up in conversation, it was just like, we have to just like, we have to do something like this for you again. We have to do this. Yeah. I'm just glad it went well. And the, yeah, we've got something cool coming on the Writers House feed, at work, in the, on the Ringer FC feed, on the Writers mm-hmm. House, on a Writers House episode in a couple of weeks. But yeah, man, COVID, no joke. It is such a weird, like, on, it's the first time I've had it and it was so strange and I'm triple vaxxed yeah uh those first few days in particular were were not great it took me a good I think it was like 10 or 11 days before I tested negative and even still I'm like I kind of feel like I don't have symptoms but I feel god I just feel like not great it rocks you doesn't it it absolutely it was really bad man it was I mean because we know loads of people have had it and didn't even know they had it and stuff and I know this is you know not isn't a covid show but Everyone's well-being is is important to us. The first few days, I kept texting you, just being like, "This is just genuinely weird." Like the symptoms mm. and stuff were. It was, it was like waking up every day with a new illness, and it was Goodness. and that and it was like that for nine days consecutively, and then it started to balance out a little bit. It's like a burglar trying to find different ways to get into your house. It's just so strange, man. So Super weird, and it just it and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I just I, I knew something was wrong straight away. Oh man. And it took a day before I, I kind of tested positive. But yeah, man. So yeah, apologies to people who have been like, where the hell are you guys? Are you on a beach? No, I wasn't. I was, uh, you were absolutely I was, not on a beach. I was, I was trying to get into a comfortable position on the sofa where I could breathe properly. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did watch, I did watch the, uh, I managed to do an Atlanta rewatch and then watch the new season because it finally landed over here. And, uh, it's amazing. On that note, check the Prestige TV podcast because. Uh, Van Latham, Charles Holmes did some unbelievable podcasts around Atlanta. So if you're starting to watch Atlanta now in the UK or in Europe, because it's been out in the States for ages, I would recommend checking the Prestige TV out. In fact, to be honest, the Prestige TV podcast is so good for the recap episodes after you've watched an episode or something. If you're watching series at the moment, go and check it out. It's on Spotify. It's amazing. And it includes a revolving cast of some of the ringer's finest. Wow. No higher recommendation than that. Which is why you and I have not been on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some other admin, checktheringer.com, just in general. I was on the F1 show this week with Kevin. Uh, I might be on again soon. And there's some good golf stuff coming up for people like golf ahead of the Open. 
Yeah, and check right his house. I joined Flo and Ian on this week's episode. We talked about England's historic wow. eight yeah. win over Norway, which was unbelievable in the Euros. Some other women's Euro stuff. Um, as we mentioned, there's the CONCACAF stuff going on at the moment and women's AFCON and Copper America Feminina. So there is so much women's football out there this summer. Go and check it all out. There's plenty of football to get yourself into. Love it. Anyway, so today we're back and we're going to keep it nice and breezy. We're going to we're going to talk about Germany's win over Spain in the Euros because pretty seismic result, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And performance in a sense. Yeah, definitely. And then we're just going to go into a few questions. We asked for some questions the other day and do a little bit of men's transfer chit chat. Keep it pretty easy going for the first one back because uh, yeah. I definitely feel like I need to join preseason training. Because uh, when I when I doing the F one show was the first time I'd actually like spoken properly for a long time, and I just kept having to apologise to Kevin. Oh God! I forgot. Have we done it? I've forgotten English. Wait, have we forgotten something else? Oh. Have we done a podcast since the live shows? No, we need to say thank you to everyone who joined us in yeah, London for those two live shows. They were amazing. They were amazing. so good. What an experience! Ian popped up on Monday as a surprise guest, so that was great. We were going to put them out, but there was like it—it it was just a little bit too. It would have taken a little bit too much cutting mm. and pasting and stuff, and some of the audio wasn't amazing. So we'll we'll do some more over the next year in other yes, cities, sure. and we'll chuck those out when when they happen. Um, because also, I feel like we need a little bit more practice in the live sense. <laughs> no, I, look, I, I, you were fine. Well, you were fine. I was dreadful. You were fine. No, you were terrific. You were terrific. Dreadful. Uh, my dad came as well. He loved it. He loved his moment in the high, in the limelight. As there's several Stadia Ultras. Oh yeah, bringing certain certain individuals. You know who you are. Some of you brought main character energy. And yeah, we but love some you for it. some of you in person. Ah, amazing. Pussy cats. Pussycats compared to online. Unbelievable. But no, it was it was genuinely amazing to see everyone. It was it was a bit overwhelming, I found found actually. And uh it was just great to meet so many listeners and put faces to Twitter handles and Yeah, it was beautiful we, actually. And we really hung around amazing. afterwards and got to meet a load of people and it was it was just great. It was super good. So yeah, thanks to everyone who came down and we'll do some more soon. And for those who expressed concern, I did make the last train home. I you made did. it with 20 seconds to spare. Yeah. And thanks so to the thank social you. for having us. They were great. They were amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So, great yeah, job. Great people. All right. Let's go on with the show. Let's do it. All right, man. Let's go to Brentford. Yes. Germany 2, Spain 0. Two oh. first half goals, Germany, coming off two shots on target, which is... Like I tweeted, two Spain errors. I was going to say a, an actual rare glimpse of German efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest myth in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, having been in Germany ourselves for several years, German efficiency is um, yeah. It's... Look how many goals you can score. And you don't have to fax it. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> so accurate. So Clarabel, Alex Pop, two first half goals. Yes. Yeah. Germany ended with uh, still just the two shots on target at the end of the game. They had eight shots in total to Spain's 12. Spain dominated the ball, as we expected, and had a couple of really, really good moments mm. in terms of build-up play. Yes. Had a couple of big chances. It was that like one in the first half that they probably, Garcia. yeah, who went around the keeper, right? Could probably have gone have high. Could have gone high. But other than that, it didn't really feel like Germany were like backs against the wall kind of thing. Not really. No. Germany with two very different performances. Mm. first game against Denmark they were tremendous and 4-0 and just yeah flew out the blocks in that game. oh yeah absolutely superb in the first game in the second game obviously understood they'd be a very different type of game they'd have to play both goals game I suppose 
I suppose, really from mistakes. Um, Clara Ball had a lot to do when she got the ball slashed to her directly um, from the keeper, but still had a lot to do. Um, it's a really nice finish. Um, classic striker's finish. Pop's goal in its own way was just as bad. And it wasn't as obvious a mistake from the Spain defence, but if you look at the mistiming of the jumps from the Spain centre-backs, the ball shouldn't get to Pop where it does uh, in that area. And like, someone who's as good at heading the ball as that and one of the best headers of the ball what in modern football yeah. history Just Sophie Lawson who reposted a tweet that she wrote five years ago about how good Alex Pop is at headers and that's been a and, and also to Tim Stillman who said that maybe uh, I can't remember exactly what his tweet said but it was along the lines of Alex Pop her career has kind of been a little bit underappreciated maybe from the wider global footballing world and I and I would tend to agree, actually. There's reasons for that. There's reasons there, because there reasons she's for that. Been... One of one of which shouts to Cara Head for talking <laughs> for talking about this, but the fact that the Frau Bundesliga doesn't even have its own socials account. Yeah, that's real. Which is just it's a criminally undermarketed league, and I it think is, that is. that hurts yeah. it quite a lot from from wider notoriety. But also, I just think the injuries. Also, this pop. The fact that pop has been versatile. Pop's yeah. been pop's yeah. play. Pop plays wherever the team needs her. So pop can play centre mid. Left back. You literally put her at left back in your yeah. all-star team. Yeah, like absolutely. Did a couple because, of years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can believe so, it. Yeah, <laughs> that was like that's one of my biggest galaxy brain moments. But it was kind of my way of saying, Pop can do anything, and it's really lovely to see her taking center stage. Two goals in two Euros matches now. Her first Euros tournament, having missed, um, having missed yeah. quite a few. And it's kind of wild to see Pop, isn't it, at the head of such a resurgent Germany team with all the young talent come to like Lena Oberdorf is playing like wide midfield as an eight and is just completely at home in that context and it feels like she's I mean she's a brilliant young player but it feels calling a young player is almost a misnomer like she feels ahead of her development yeah I mean she it's feels like that two she's, years she, yeah, yeah she's 20 years old and she's 20 years like old 25 and she came from Essen yeah. and she came straight into the Wolfsburg team and absolutely ran the show she's a complete midfielder Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. maybe the only thing, it's not really anything to do with her game. It's just that she's not the quickest. But other than right. that, yeah, she's a complete midfielder and she's very versatile across that midfield line. You want her in the middle because she's physically dominant as well. Yeah. And just that Germany side. I mean, this is a Germany side missing Leia Schuler, who was great in the first game. Yeah. She missed out due to COVID. And um, since we recorded Writer's House, it's come out that Viv Miedemar. Is, has tested positive along with Jackie Grunen from the Netherlands and it looks like they're having a little bit of an outbreak within that squad. Mm. So they dealt with the absence of Shula really well because she's a very different type of, like Alex Pop was playing more in a centre forward kind of role. Yeah. Very different kind of player to Leia Shula who I think probably stretches defences a little bit more Pop more on the target role, not really playing yeah, as the kind exactly. of arrowhead. But yeah, I, yeah. This, this is really encouraging for Germany because it shows them, or it gives them versatility. Like we know that this is a Spain side that's missing Jenny Amoso and Alexia Puteas yeah. with injury, and they are major misses. They would be major misses to any side in world football. But this is still a very, very, very talented Spain squad who are yes. still the pre-tournament favourites, who are unbeaten for twenty odd matches. Yeah, and the first time they've conceded two goals in forever. In, in, a, yeah. in a game um, this was a massive test for Germany and while people may look at the stats and look like Spain dominated the game yeah territorially and with the ball they did but it never felt like like I said at, at the top it never felt like Germany were hanging on 
It was maybe yeah, a I felt like German minute... always were like, get the ball where you want it. You yeah, it was maybe it a there. two or yeah. three minute uh, spell in the second half where it got a little bit scrappy on the edge of German, the German box. Yes. But other than that, it didn't really feel too heavy going. They were really good at compressing the spaces so players like Bon Matti couldn't find room to dribble or mm. play the one-twos. They were really good at compressing space and that's been a theme of this tournament actually. The teams that have raised their intensity have really just benefited in it. Obviously England did a full court press on, on Norway. That's been covered obviously in Wrighty's house. But you know the thing about England that was impressive, um, that I'll just quickly mention, the thing about England was incredible was the, was the pressing on the second ball. Yeah. So it wasn't the first pass, it was the second person that, that received the ball very often had two or three players right on them, clamped. And very often when you pause, you pause the game, very often, if you go back and watch that game again, when England lose the ball, when, when Norway gain, when Norway um, lose the ball, there were like two or three players between the next one playing the ball. And the same thing with Germany. Germany didn't do the same thing in terms of um, the spaces they pressed, but they had the similar intensity. So when someone like Bon Matti was wandering free on the edge of the box, all of a sudden the clamps came out yeah. and three or four Germans were just on her. Against the elite sides, you are going to spend serious amounts of time defending your own box. Yes. But you can also, we've talked about, and I, I, we haven't, well, we've talked about this, but I think general discourse has shifted a little bit more to this, this awareness of controlling games without the ball over the last few years. Mm. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to do. We talked about Norway's, like how Norway kind of got caught of that, in that spiral and how hard it can be, on Wright's house is that is, uh, and how hard it can be psychologically when you're constantly getting turned around as a defender. Yes. You're constantly running towards your own, your own goal. But if you're defending with all the ball in front of you, it was really once or twice maximum that Germany got cut open mm. and they escaped. And that's quite comfortable for them because we said, like Flo was talking about Germany's defence, right, his house. And I said, like, centrally is, is, is the main worry, I think, because yeah. you have Felicitas Rauch at left back Julia Gwynn at right back, who are elite. And while I don't think Germany's centre-back pairing is, is, is too shabby, I think that it, it reminds me a little bit of what you used to say about the Man City men's team. When mm. If you go right down the middle and you break through that midfield, that's where the joy came, comes. Yes. And it, that's, that's actually Absolutely. where the joy came for Spain. Yes, yes. The Caldente chance. And I've got to yeah. say, Froome's in goal for um, Germany, outstanding. Yeah. Really, I mean, not not, not just re really good goalkeepers this year. And yeah, and not just in terms of the goalkeeping, but just in terms of the command. Not just in terms of the saves, but the command of space, the knowledge that you have to produce something extraordinary to beat her even before you put the effort in. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, just one thing I want to throw in quickly on. Um, I love that you mentioned the the Germany defence because they kept a clean sheet despite your concerns about the quality in, in the central areas. I want to be a little bit critical of the Norway central um, defence midfield actually, only because. When you're defending, you're defending as a system. It's very easy for people to say, oh, like that defender is bad, that defender's bad. No, actually, when you defend as a system, the reason why Germany were fine was because that midfield three in defence operates as a proper three. It's a wall. And I just think there was a bit of a challenge with Norway and that team that the screening function of the defence midfield two to protect the centre-backs wasn't what it could have been in terms of protection. Mm. And I said, it's just, I'm just saying that because it's very easy to say, oh, that player was terrible, that player was terrible. But actually, the question should be, why was that player isolated when they received possession and looking ahead and they weren't, there wasn't anyone within 20, 20 yards of them? And I know that listeners of Stadio will be attuned to that already, but I think it's really important. Some of the post-match critiques of different defenders, um, 
for for Spain, for for Germany. Even when you're playing out from the back, for example, you look at what Spain do. Playing out from the back is a really, really brave thing to do. Like, and I think every now and again when it malfunctions, when a bad pass comes off, you're like, that's a bad mistake. Yes. And also, like, the quality of international defences and presses is so high now that playing out is increasingly intricate. So when mistakes come like this, when you're playing out from the back, they look worse than they actually are, if that makes sense. So yeah, just a just the thing I wanted to throw in, actually. But yeah, Germany screened superbly and two very different types of performances. And actually, again, like England, if you look at England's game against Austria and their performance against Norway, teams that can adapt and find solutions throughout a tournament are the ones that end up going the furthest. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the teams have had a bit of a reverse, like Spain, for example, adapt. I'm, I'm sure they'll be fine. Well, they've, got to play, they've got to play Denmark in the final game to qualify and... Had a good win themselves. They did over Finland, who yeah. caused Spain a, little, a lot of problems in that first 20 minutes for the Finland-Spain the Finland -Spain game. Mm. And I think, this is, this is the, I think this would be the most concern so far for Spain is that they've just started both games really poorly, giving the opponents way too many opportunities mm. in those opening stages. And I think if Denmark, they do the same thing to Denmark, you know, players like Pinilla Harda, Nadia Nadim, they will hurt you. And if Denmark can score early against Spain, which it would it would seem like a big if, but it's not. But the fact that Finland, who were what one of the lowest um, fancied teams in the tournament, mm. and Germany have both done so, that would give Denmark a huge amount of confidence if they do score early. And like, it's going to be super interesting to see how Spain respond to that. Yeah, this this is this isn't anywhere near. It's not clear cut. No, clear cut. No, you're right. Um, That's the thing about these Euros. It's been so striking. Like. I think I told off the first round of games. I, I have no idea who is. I mean, and, and also this France. Yeah, France are just like dude. It's been amazing. I think. I think it's yeah. been so interesting so far, and you're starting to slowly see the kind of shape of the tournament. Right. Here. Who's got the kind of? Who's got the options? Who's got yeah. the kind of? Who's who's got the solutions? Basically, like the Netherlands Sweden game, for example, I found really intriguing because it was just like those are two kind of low-key sides going into this tournament as well. Yeah, but both absolutely stacked in their own ways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're recording this ahead of Sweden, Switzerland and Netherlands, Portugal, but there's a righty's house on Friday, so we'll wrap up those two games plus the Italy-Iceland game and France-Belgium games for, from Thursday. Um, But yeah, I think for Germany, this was massively encouraging. It's a really promising group of players that they have mm. and it's good for them to know that they can deal with a a problem like Spain without a first choice striker. And so much well. is made of the the chemistry that Barcelona get um that, that, that Barcelona provide to Spain. Not enough is made of the chemistry that I think Bayern provide um to Germany. And Wolfsburg. It's very reminiscent of those like Spain men's sides of the early twenty tens which have that yeah. Like, Barcelona core. and Real Madrid. It was only David Villa at one point was, was, yeah. was the only non-Barcelona Real Madrid player in there. And that amazing season where like only Santi, Santi Cazorla was the only like non-Barcelona Real player in the, in, the, like, the, in the La Liga 11 down at Malaga. Yeah, and I think... It's, I think it's very similar. The, I think you're right. The, yeah, and also what I love about the Bayern team as well, Bayern have had to play on the front foot, but also a counter-attacking team. They had to evolve. So in th those, those um, Bayern players will have had that education at domestic level in the last couple of years and playing very different styles, playing reactive football and proactive football because we've very often seen that teams, players who are so used to playing on the front foot don't have the discipline to sit deep 
and basically doing Atleti. So yeah, credit to to Germany for um for superb performance against Spain. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. All right, man. So we put a thing out for some questions, and maybe we'll use them to shape some men's transfer chat. There were a lot of questions about how angry I was seeing you pop up in all of these Arsenal photos. I was not angry. I was just sad and had FOMO. But you were so I was great. Extreme, I was extremely up, sad. Mr. Yeah. Bless him all week was just checking and being like, how are you doing? Oh, you're just doing like a hype man from afar being like, everyone misses you, dude. You got this. How are you feeling? You got this. <laughs> you got- What's that and mean? He, and he bought me a little goodie bag back. He, he went to the shop and bought me some stuff. Oh, uh, do, you, do you remember that like the meme with the guy to play the DJ set? There's three guys down in like the yeah, yard going, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's literally, that is literally mine and Musa's relationship. I'm damn, the guy Daniel. banging the tunes from the balcony and Musa is all three of the guys below. Or it's like you, Ian. <laughs> damn, Daniel. Uh, like that's it basically. You and Ian just jumping up and down being like, yeah, go right. Yeah, he's the first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. DJ so from have, your sofa, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start with a question from our good friend, Justin Solhani, who says... Oh, the legend himself. What responsibility do Arsenal have to sign Tammy Abraham and Victor Moses so that they can fill the team of Moses, Abraham, Jesus and Mohammed? <laughs> and also, should they, should they be thinking about non-Abrahamic religions? <laughs> What, a perfect. <laughs> what I really like about this Arsenal squad at the moment is just that there's so many Gabbies. It was like when uh, yeah. it was like when the Pacers had three TJs on the roster, and it was just like, how the hell has a small market side got three TJs on their roster on a 15 man rotation? <laughs> it's like literally a fifth of the squad was T was a TJ. That's, that's amazing. Feels like that with Arsenal at the moment, they're going very down the Gabby route. Very down the Gabby route, and this. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to enjoy, they seem to enjoy it. But one thing I will say, like from the kind of uh, from the cap, the one thing I will say that is um, what was so impressive: the level of intensity and focus of the Gabbies in question, who mm. were all absolutely locked in. Um, and if I were an Arsenal fan, I'd be very excited because I think it's going to be fun. It's really going to be fun. Um, rather like Justin's question, um, non-Abrahamic faiths are always welcome. I'm not versed in so many of the uh, non-Abrahamic names, um, but all submissions are welcome. Please at Ryan Hun and Stadio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that question so much. But yes, there is an obligation to buy those players. Absolutely. So great. Holly Balleen, shouts to Holly. Yes. Holly said, Holly came with a few questions. Legend. Have you both had a nice break slash summer so far? I would say that COVID, not with, obviously COVID on your case has been a, a bit of a brute. I have had, um, but Berlin's lovely. Mm. Berlin's lovely. The new place I've moved into is just delightful. Oh my God, my street is just the best people. Good street. My building, like like the in locals, the local cafe. Yeah, your old neighborhood. Yeah, such good people. Other questions from Harley, who said, what was Musa doing wearing those goalkeeping gloves when he's a pass first striker? You need to, <laughs> should, so I've maybe filled people in on what this actually okay, was. Okay, so Holly saw me on Instagram at the Adidas Archive. Um, they basically have the archive of like some of the greatest artifacts in football. So they've got like... Ian was telling me there's some that you had to turn the camera off and you couldn't tell anyone about that they were there. Yeah, we couldn't. Oh my goodness. So there's one thing that we saw that we couldn't tell anyone about. It's unbelievable. One artifact, so sporting artifacts. What I can talk about is, so I got to, I got to touch um, the 
one of the match balls used the 1998 World Cup final, 2006 World Cup final, because actually in some World Cups there weren't multiple match balls, just one. Um, also, the Zinedine Zidane boot for when he got a commemorative boot that he got given and that he signed a f- few weeks before I got in there um, for three times World Play of the Year in 2003. It's just, I mean, that, that whole space is just so that, and, and the reason why in those gloves is because you have to wear those special gloves because synthetic stuff disintegrates a lot quicker yeah. than you might think. So you've got to protect it. So yeah, they gave us like branded Adidas, the archive gloves. So they weren't goalkeeper gloves. And I am a pass first striker. I called them Mickey, I called them Mickey Mouse gloves. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to cut the fingers off them and wear them around Berlin. They're like <laughs> super cool. <laughs> oh dear. Holly also asked a couple more questions like favourite transfer so far maybe we'll touch on that a little bit and are we enjoying mm. the women's Euros yes we are indeed scariest transfer so far is Julian Alvarez to Manchester City because I'm terrified that Pep is going to play front two at some point uh, yeah. and then it's a lot of trouble yeah. that scares me I mean a lot of them a lot of the big 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 ones we covered before but I think that one is special I think maybe we'll save it for Wrighty's house because it will probably be official by then but the Raheem Sterling to Chelsea thing is super intriguing it's really intriguing yeah but on transfers, one from Peter Brock who said, which transfer for a club not competing in Europe do you think will have the biggest impact? And Kunle Ajayo says, favourite under the radar transfer so far. I have one. And that's Luka Jovic to Fiorentina. Oh, he did very well in the friendly. Yeah, he did. But also, can people <laughs> stop posting that thing about, he scored more goals than he has in his entire time <laughs> at Real Madrid. <laughs> this is... I don't want to say my favourite transfer so far, but it's up there. Because mm. he's gone on a, he's gone without a fee and Real Madrid have managed to get Fiorentina to give him 50% of whatever they sell him for in the future. Mm. It's kind of a free hit for him. Yeah, If you think it is. that they bought Arturo Cabral after they let Flyovic go to Juve, mm. that's a pretty decent couple of options to have. Yeah, yeah. It's and great. I think I think for, for Jovic, it's such a good spot to land and re, like reset, mm. I think. Yeah. Because you're not in the limelight of someone pushing for Champions League or like in the Champions League. They were seventh in the league, right? They were a point behind Roma. Mm. So it's kind of in that like, you know, they finished above Atalanta. They finished, they qualified for the, 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 the Conference League playoffs. So it's like, they're in that, that's a nice level of where you're going to, You've got an opportunity to break into that top six, but you're not really under the spotlight of the top four in the Champions League every week. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very, I'm not, I'm not saying that like Fiorentina are not a small club by any means, but it's a very different environment to a Real Madrid. And I think this is why like he, he thrived so much at Eintracht and even he looks pretty decent. He was nowhere near the, the Jovic that had left before, but when he went back there on loan that time, mm. he instantly just looked a little bit freer. And I wonder whether that'll happen at, at Fiorentina. I, I, something about that transfer makes me feel like it, it's going to be pretty good. A lot of pressure is off, exactly. It's just really um, a chance to reset. There's an element of going to like, you know, this is no disrespect again to clubs like that, but you know how Roma often revitalise a team at, at attacking players? Mm. Attacking players often end up at Roma where they've been in like quite austere tactical systems, quite severe. It's ironic because Mourinho's there now, but you know, they, they go, they haven't been given that much freedom and they go to Roma and it revitalizes them. And I feel like Fiorentina is one of those clubs. Um, and just Madrid, just the pressure cooker. And it's not just that, it's like this Benzema starting every week. 
And actually, here's a funny thing. You know, like when you see certain games where a striker is started of chances, so when they get a chance, they snatch at it. It even happened to Ada Hagerberg against England. Mm-hmm. The great Ada Hagerberg. Like when she knew there's so few chances coming that she was snatching at chances. Jovic, there's certain games you'd see him play and he knew he was on trial. He knew he was on audition. Mm-hmm. And there are some strikers that just need a run of games at the peak of an attack where everyone trusts them to score and they'll flourish. So yeah, that's a good look for him. Well, um, remember, the record, still only 24. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, I want to mention, segue to um, a slightly under the radar signing. Well, not under the radar, but not as prominent as it might be. Omar Rich is going to Nottingham Forest from Bayern Munich. He's again 24 as well. And I like Big that because signing. it's just really nice to see Nottingham Forest make signings that make me feel they could consolidate in the Premier League. You know, every, every sign they've made so far, starting with Awanee, I've been like, someone there knows exactly what they're doing. Knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, you we know, talked about it in the live shows about how much we love that Iwani sign-in. Not just because it's a signing that's great of itself, but it's also like someone there has done their homework. Mm. Um, and obviously you don't want to sort of jinx anything for Forest fans, but I think there's room for optimism there with the Richards signing. Tyler Adams um, to Leeds, I like as well. There are a lot of these Bundesliga signers that are great. And we haven't even oh, yeah. really spoke too much. We talked about it in the live show. We talked a bit about Lukaku going to Inter and it was kind mm. of pretty much exactly how you'd imagine a conversation between us two talking about Lukaku going back to Inter. Yes, absolutely. Would have been, yeah. Just yeah. being like, well, you know, the, maybe the fit, how important is the fit? We said it was going to be great at Chelsea. We thought it would work and obviously it didn't. And again, like, it's a little bit tricky because you're kind of going back to Inter with your tail between your legs when you when he was so dominant when he was there. And now Jekko's there. Yeah, exactly. And How are you going to work that out? Henry, but you got Henry Mkhitaryan, man. They're getting the band back together. They are, yeah, yeah. All <laughs> he's, the old hits. begrudgedly left <laughs> Mourinho. Um, but yeah, the Tyler Adams one to Leeds, I like a lot. Mm. Um, and I, d- I don't know. I think there, have, there, there will be a few more. You know, something I really like, I think will be really I really love the Goretzka to Arsenal signing. Sorry, I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen, Ryan. I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> I don't want to speak into existence. I may or may not have spent a bit of time at the training camp going, bye Goretzka. <laughs> no way. Did you get in Edu's ear? <laughs> no, he, he was, he was, he was actually, we were actually in the same room at one point, but I didn't like have the guts and to And he just looked him. over and Musa was just mouthing, <laughs> was, Goretzka. Goretzka. It was, like the, it was like a scene from the office and this camera just zoomed in on Musa being like, Trying to do Inception. Do it. Do it, God, I would love that. God, yeah, that'd be amazing. That. The Sadio Mane signing is interesting because obviously he's gone somewhere to have a new challenge, a new project. Kudabali, I'm so excited about that. Kudabali is going to Chelsea, it looks like. Yeah. And that's someone who, is, who wants a new challenge. And I'm just really excited by players who've still got several years ahead of them who can go and play defining football somewhere else. Posado yeah. can still do that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so Kalidu, the, the, yeah. was a little bit like, you know, the five-year deal was a bit like, wow, that's, that's, a, big, that's a big leap for a 31-year-old defender arriving in a new league. Do you know what I feel but it's like, though? I feel like it's the Thiago Silva successor. I feel like, because, you know, Thiago Silva, like he loves having the senior player in the back three. Yeah. And I just wonder, I mean, I know Rudiger has a certain role, but I think that Tuchel likes having someone there who just controls everything. Had a certain role. 
Yeah, had a certain role. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've not even spoken about how Tony Rudiger at Real Madrid. You know, that him and David Alaba in the centre back pairing. I love Has a this. player ever looked I so happy? This. <laughs> and also, can I say, like, and in a usually cha- unusually chaotic configuration as well. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. We'll, we'll do another episode on Barcelona, I think, specifically, because Barcelona is seemingly trying to sign everyone. Can I just say this as well? Sorry, very quickly. On Barcelona, very, just before I forget, German chaos is very special because when it gets chaotic, it gets really chaotic. Oh, yeah, So yeah, watch yeah. out for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, back to Barcelona. I mean, You're like right. Dorman signing, signing Sebastian Aller. I think it was just like, oh, this, is, this, this reeks of, you demolished us last season. We're yeah. going to sign you this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do like that signing a lot, though. No, I do, actually. I do like and, the, and the thing that I like about it is now that They've got three strikers who are who can who are all very different. And yes, they've got actually a little bit more depth at the striker position than they have done for a while. Really, no. I re- look, uh, you said this before. When you sell a team's best player, it can often be good for the team. Yeah, because the center of gravity is drawn too much towards one player, and now they can play with greater not freedom but greater. Um, I think independence. I think greater independence. Yeah. You just want a, a little bit more parity in terms of responsibility throughout the whole side. Yes, exactly yeah. that, exactly that. Um, but yeah, Barcelona buying everyone, as you said, Rafinha is uh, he's turning up. Yeah. And Frankie is staying put by the sounds of it. Do you know what, if he does, good for him, because it's just yeah. getting really exciting there. It's getting really exciting. And also, just because you're like, if I was Frankie, I'd be like, guys, don't punish me for being the only flippable asset that you have. Thank you. All this talk, United also have been pursuing Frankie de Jong, but he's clearly happy at Barcelona, or he clearly wants to make a career there. And frankly for him, I don't know if he can afford another big risky move, especially since Busquets might be gone in a year, and then he'll have the midfield. Like, I mean, how long have we been saying, give him the keys? Give him the keys. I just, I'm, I'm sick of saying it. And with the greater mobility of Kessier, Kessier now, greater <sighs> mobility, alongs, a double pivot of Kessier and Frankie de Jong is a problem. Yeah, but the problem, I think the thing that Barcelona are doing is they're almost giving themselves too much of a problem. They're buying the players that they would be buying without making the space for them in the squad. Yes, so like, okay, yeah. If you think now, in a mid, the reason they're trying to flip De Jong is because they agreed to this Kessier signing kind of ages ago. Mm. And they just assume that people will move when they want them to. Yeah. And if you think now, you've got uh, Busquets, uh, Frankie de Jong Frank Cassier Nico Pedri, Pedri Gavi and yeah. Nico all yeah. for that midfield like that's that's too many that's too that's many. actually too many yeah and if they're not careful they're going to end up letting a real key asset slip through their fingers Barcelona because yeah. there are a lot of these guys who are like who are, who are in the process of like looking ahead at signing new contracts right and you know you look at Ansu Fati for example like if Dembele stays, they get another striker, they move maybe Aubameyang to a wide spot and they've got Rafinha now. Like, and Ferran Torres. And Ferran Torres. We haven't even talked about Ferran Torres. I literally I don't, that's why the, the, the Rafinha signing, I don't fully get it, to be honest. This isn't the first time and this won't be the last time where we've looked at where Barcelona have spent, have spent their money and we're like, that's a great player, but you needed or you could have spent the money elsewhere. I completely agree. Completely agree. Well, look at United in their midfield. You know, there's all this fuss about Frankie de Jong, but we do need more options. It doesn't matter because they beat Liverpool 4-0, so they're going to win everything. It's fine. Ha ha 
Oh my God, it's like when Atleti won that, when they beat Real, what, 7-2 in pre-season, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And they went back to being Atleti in the regular season. But Christian Eriksen's at United. Yeah. I think while the romantic side of us would have loved him to stay at Brentford, I think that he's going to be a very handy piece for United. He's, he's essentially like a, a younger, better Juan Mata. Yes, and a controller. Yeah, yeah. Eriksen's got more, I mean, the more mobility and there's just more stuff he can do. There's more systems, teams he can play and he can play as an eight, can play as a 10 mm. and he can score a bit more as well. I just really like that sign. I just think at the defensive point, I mean, they lost Matic as well this year. Matic, okay, was in decline and that's fine. Everyone knew that, but I suppose I'm slightly concerned by the lack of depth for United in central areas. But anyway, that's nothing, nothing new. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about Manchester United because do you think that, for example, I mean, they've got Donny van der Beek coming back, mm. right? Yeah. I think we talked about it in the live show about how you could understand if Frankie Dion would end up there because working with Ten Hag again, I don't think would be the worst thing in the world for him. Mm. But I actually wonder whether, if, even if he was going to leave Barcelona, there were better destinations for him. He should be going to a team that is a perennial... Champions, Champions League quarterfinalist. Yep, I that's agree. that's his that's his level, and that's no disrespect to anyone else. That's basically like one of about five clubs on the planet. And the problem is actually he's moving at just the wrong time if he wants to, because PSG have now gone to a completely different strategy. PSG are now put it this way: PSG with Leonardo as sporting director, very possibly make a bid for Pogba. Luis Campos, completely different profile. This is now someone yeah. who's appointed Gaut. They've got Gautier in now as the coach. And their whole model now is like either like resuscitate players who, or no, players who've got a resurgent career like uh, Renato Sanchez, they're really after him, or just bringing in talent. They're basically doing what a lot of people said they should have done, which is basically yeah. get local talent or international talent, just build it up. So for Frankie de Jong, weirdly enough, the options are vanishingly small in terms of places that are attractive to play out. You could look at like, you look at someone like, you know, Bayern, it's not an option because Bayern, they've got the midfielders. Bayern, no problem with centimetres. They've been shipping them off this season. They've got enough in that space. Um, you look at Italy, not as attractive just because the team, mm -hmm. the, the league is not, the top teams in Italy aren't like the top teams in Spain or the UK. You look at the Premier League, you look at Man City, which is a great tactical fit, but they've got seven, six, seven players in that area. Yeah, so yeah. it's just not going to happen. Bayern is also a shout, but they'd have to sell someone else in the middles. That's the thing. If Bayern wanted to flip a midfield piece, because it looks like they're going to try, they're trying to, you know, Barca are obviously still, still in for Lewandowski, apparently, or if they're not, then someone else will be. Hmm. Apparently PSG made a little bit of a, a bit, uh, an inquiry about him. If, if, Barca, if Bayern, Bayern have done pretty well to hold out this far, Yes. Think about it. So it looks like that Lewandowski won't move unless they get a pretty substantial fee for him. Mm. A lot of rumours about them wanting to use that money to go after Delict, which I think would be a pretty, I think it would make a lot of sense actually. Also, then, I question the wisdom of them buying Rafinha before Lewandowski because now Barca are going to be, now Bayern can be like, you paid that for Rafinha, you're going to yeah, pay this for Lewandowski. Exactly. Just, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, it's not. I'm not a, sure about the business. Not sure about the business. Not great. Do you want to talk about Pogba quickly before we bounce? Yes. We're going to keep yeah. this one pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, sure, light sure. and easy going today. Um, thanks to everyone who sent in the questions. We got, we, there were a couple of serious ones that we wanted to not avoid, but we, we didn't want to go too much into today. First one back, keep it kind of breezy, but um, we'll obviously touch on them when more stuff comes out about it. But um, just, So let's talk about Pogba quick. Yes. 
I think the wind changed for Pogba. You know, like in, uh, there was a period in hip hop in the, in the, in the eighties where it was like, there was like no bass and all of a sudden bass came into the tunes. It feels like Pogba coming available was like that. We've seen that turning point, mm. the similar, a, a similar seismic shift in midfielders and what has happened to midfielders. Pogba came onto the market and at one point it was like PSG could have been in for him. Madrid could have been in for him. I don't think Barca with Xavi there, it's a different type of profile because I think he's too uh, ball dependent in terms of like carrying the ball. I think Xavi's much like one, one, two touch, keep it moving. But certainly PSG and Madrid felt like options. Then the dominoes start falling. I think Carl mentioned this actually, we were talking about this. Carl was talking about like Mbappe staying at PSG was a big deal because Mbappe stays there. Now PSG still have money available to buy Pogba, but the profile of signing once Mbappe stays and Luis Campos comes in, I think it's good night, that combined thing, because Luis Campos comes in and says, we're not going to buy that kind of star player now. And PSG, I think, and, and, and obviously Real are thinking, I think again, Carl said this, we're future-proofing our midfield with Chiumeni. These are two things that Pogba would not necessarily have anticipated. Everyone thought Mbappe was going. Mm. Everyone thought he was going. Maybe even Mbappe himself. Um, and the Chiromani signing, you know, he really just exploded out the blocks. He really just elevated his game to a certain level in the last, like, you know, the last sort of few months of the last season. So Pogba really, he's like one of those triathletes that like is way out ahead and slows before the finish. And then someone just kicks for home and overtakes him on the finish line. And it's really strange for him now because, you know, he's someone who is an elite, on his day, like an elite playmaker, right? But is in a club that is not, this is a backward step for him. And this is, this sounds like a, a criticism of Juventus. Okay, well, I, I, I'll have to just take that. But in terms of Pogba's arc and where Pogba should be, he shouldn't be a, 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 a Juventus that is kind of rebuilding its place on the European stage, not on the domestic stage. We know what Juventus is domestically. On, on the European stage, Juventus is in a stage of slight rebuilding and he shouldn't be at this point in his career. If you'd put it this way, if you'd said to him five years ago, you'll be in this situation, he'll be like, record scratch, something's gone wrong here. Um, and I, I think maybe in a weird way, maybe this is a case of him needing Juventus and Juventus needing him. I'm, I'm really fit- interested. Sorry to cut in, but I'm really yeah, interested yeah. to see what his role is within that squad over the, Does that uh, make the start sense? of the season. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes loads of sense. I just think it's just the, what we thought we knew about so many players in this window, I think has kind of been shifted a lot. And I find that mega interesting, actually. Mm. We're going to see either some return into old form or players shifting into different stages in their career and what we thought they were as players kind of go to something else. And I think Pogba is one of those. I think I, I, I'm interested to see what the discourse is around him, like what the discourse will be like around him at, back at Juve or what his actual footballing profile is now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't feel like I know anymore with Paul Pogba. And I think that being back at Juve will be good for him overall. But I yeah. also think it could that could come with a, the the margins of, will be very very they won't be for, too forgiving. I don't think 
Because what Juve have done over the last couple of years with midfielders, mm. signing midfielders for minimal transfer fees, but with very, very big contracts. Mm. I think people are a little bit tired of it at Juve. And this feels like it could be another one of those. So I don't think he'll have as much wiggle room as other midfielders have had going, going to Juve. I think what's going to be good for him is that if you look at the people whose feet he's playing the ball into, and if you look at the fact that Dennis yeah. Zachary will have had a full preseason. I mean, that's a, that's, all these, that's a nice partnership. That's a, big, that's a big fit. Like, you know, you're going to see quick releases from midfield. You know, we saw, we've seen Pogba like, unfortunately, this is the horrible thing. We have to look to France for his best form. When I'm referencing Pogba's best form, it's not club form, it's international form. That's, not a good look, actually. Yeah, was it um, the, uh, the Bernabeu in 2013? Was that the game? Right, we have to keep referencing, <laughs> or 2015, sorry, yeah. We have to keep referencing those. Um, oh, 2015, my bad. That 2015 run, you know. So it's, I'm not saying he can't buy consistency uh, for Juventus. I think that actually his signing, his profile of signing is really good for the dressing room. Mm. And I also think it's good that the dressing room is kind of, and this is my one sort of concern, you don't have the kind of Chiellini so now you've got he's got to be a leader in that dressing room now in a different dude way. I just want to see more basketball videos with him and Allegri playing horse that's all I want yeah right right and him playing with freedom I think this could be a stage of his career we've seen with footballers before where the sort of the, the bulk peak of their career didn't go off like they wanted and they find not redemption elsewhere but they find like joy elsewhere or mm. they find the form elsewhere I think that's got to be him. I think he's still got enough form in him to have a spectacular three or four years. But I don't think that he's had his defining career years. I don't think he's had them, uh, if that's fair. I think that it would be really interesting and ironic if he ends up having them at Juventus. If that makes sense. I agree. Uh, talking about finding redemption elsewhere, let's wrap on Wayne Rooney yes. going to DC United as head coach. Leaving Derby after... I think everyone can agree did a really, really good job at Derby, mm. Derby County in extremely difficult circumstances. Yeah, dignified too, yeah. I think this is a great move for him. And he's obviously returning to a club that he played at, another club that he played at, I should say. But he seems to be handling his managerial career in a very smart way. And I think this is going to be really good for DC United. I think it's going to be really good for him to develop more as a manager. We did have a question about this. Uh, so let me Isn't shout it Isn't it funny out. how him and like Gerard have been super smart? Yeah. Like yeah. really just like, there's that shrewdness to it. Like Gerard, you know, Rangers Villa, perfect beats. Derby DC United. This is someone who's not in a wild hurry to get to the Premier League. Um, but who wants to build something? And also like, it's a lifestyle choice. It's really nice to see people making choices like for the wider context of what they do. Mm. Shouts to Strowman. It was Strowman who uh, tweeted at us about it. Um, nice lifestyle choice. Yeah. Yeah. My, my MLS knowledge isn't, isn't deep enough to know whether, whether Wayne Rooney is yeah. going to have like a massively transform, transformational impact on the squad and they're going to charge towards the MLS Cup or whatever. But MLS is a very attractive destination for players and having someone like Wayne Rooney there could be a really, really good shout. Especially and with because, that like, calibre of coaching. With that calibre yeah, of coaching. Yeah. yeah. And I th the one thing I think is going to be really interesting, and I, this is not to, to kind of hate on MLS at all, 
But I think we saw it with Thierry Henry and that one of the major, and uh, we see it, I think it's a common thing that we see with very, very gifted ex-players is that when they, when they transform into management, how they deal with coaching players who maybe weren't at the ability that they were as players. Well, they're saying Rooney actually coaches and that's the thing. That's the thing. Yes. So far, the early signs have been that he's been fine making that transition into coaching maybe a level slightly below, I mean, I say slightly below that he played at, he literally played at those levels. But at his peak, that's what I mean. Going back and reading his columns for the Times is really interesting. Yeah, when you yeah, see yeah. the genesis of his ability as a coach or what he could do, just how he reads the game. There are some players when they coach, you're like, well, they were amazing in a particular segment of the pitch, but how well do they read the entire match situation? And not just how well do they read it, how well do they adjust? So there's a great moment when you see sort of um, Serena on the sidelines for England, just making copious notes with those, like, you know, those pens, those biros, the four colours. Oh yeah. And just constantly writing and like making adjustments to her adjustments. And I was like, that's the level. Like it's not just having one nil up, two nil up. It's about coaching where you're like a player down and a goal up. Like do you play for an extra goal? Or do you, and the thing about Rooney is what I love about him is you get the sense he's constantly adjusting and also has a passion for young players a passion for developing young players, which is great because he's not someone who wants to buy an established pro off the peg. So it'll be really fascinating to see at DC United what he does with the younger members of the squad. I agree, I'm man. for him. Really yeah, I'm, for I'm him. really excited about that. I'm really excited. Um, should we wrap it there for now? And we'll touch yeah, on some good. more stuff next week because there's obviously going to be more transfers and we'll try and go into some a little bit more detail maybe Yeah, yeah. in the season previews and stuff. There's always going to be more, yeah. But yeah, it's just good to... Uh, Dust off those Stanley cobwebs. No doubt. <laughs> Were you popping and locking there? I was no. I was just. Uh, I was just stretching. Oh. Um, I know. I it's, you know, as the is the nature of some podcasts or doing a podcast. That, like they, by the law of averages, at least some people will be glad that you're back. But I imagine a lot of people who've seen this episode pop up in their ring or sea feed and been like, "Oh God, not a, not again already, <laughs> already." <laughs> Listen, you can ask it. You're gonna get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bearing with us over uh, after our little bit of an extended uh, hiatus. Mm. Well, the good news is that you know, being triple vaxxed and now newly recovered, I'm gonna just go and lick a load of lampposts. <laughs> God, COVID immune. Can't even hurt my feelings. I'm so <laughs> immune. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness anything you want to add Musokwonga no all good lovely all present and correct yeah so check Ratty's house if you haven't checked it already check theringer.com some great stuff going up in all sports and pop culture and TV and films and stuff at the moment Ratty's house will be back on Friday Stadio will be back on Monday we're back now through the Euros in a kind of a bit of an all over the place timetable but just doing as many as possible and then back to the normal schedule ahead of the new season when that returns domestically. Follow us on Twitter at Stadio, at Stadio Football on Instagram, and check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. First tune back, we are playing out on Prototype Pop by the legendary Severed Heads. An absolute banger. He's a man. Are you sure you, you, sure you don't want to throw something in me before we go and we start throwing a little bit of chaos? Some Royal, Sci- Royal Society of Literature. <laughs> Sprinkle spice. some goodness. Some spices. Sprinkle some <laughs> literature season. Everyone's here for the takes. 
<laughs> Does that mean you can put like a title, those letters behind your name now? You can. I'm just not sure what context oh to use. Oh my them god! In. Is this? Is what? What are the letters? It's F R S L. So uh, I'm Ryan Hun, and this is Musak Wonga, comma F R S L. No comma. <laughs> no comma. Listen to that. No comma. He's done it. All capitals, no tricks, spelling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll leave you to it. Uh, much love. Kwanga, no comma. You heard it there first. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be back. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>